An early season move for the Pacers. Daniel Tice is bought out. He's waived. He's not with the Pacers anymore, reportedly going to the Clippers. Why did the Pacers do this? Why now? What benefit do they get from it? What can they do with the roster spot? What does it all mean going forward? We'll get to all that with Derek Kramer on today's Locked On Pacers podcast. You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Thursday, everybody, and welcome into another edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast, where we, of course, talk about the Indiana Pacers, as always. My name's Tony East. I cover the team for Forbes and SI, and today, different podcast than expected. Daniel Tice bought out. He's no longer going to be with the Pacers. He's going to go to the Clippers, reportedly. Why did this all happen? Why right now? What does it mean for the Pacers? What benefit do the Pacers get? from this transaction and opening this roster spot. And like I just said, they have a roster spot. What can they do with it? Who could they bring in now? If anybody, and if they wait, what's the advantage of that? There's a lot of complex things going on with this. And the Pacers now have their favorite thing, more flexibility to figure it out. And Derek Kramer from my Pacers blog is going to join us as we cut through all of the things you need to know about the Tice buyout. And at the end for 10 minutes, we just rattle off some crazy Tyrese Halberton stats because he's been that good recently and we had to do it. It's an absolute blast of a show. Hope you enjoy it. Let's just get right to it with Derek Kramer. Unsurprising news in action, a little bit surprising news in timing. No longer a pacer, Mr. Daniel Tice. He has been waived. He's been bought out. He's reportedly headed to the Clippers, although I guess someone could sneak in with a waiver claim for some reason in the next 48 hours. That would make absolutely no sense. And here to talk about a transaction less than a month into the season. How rare is that? It's Derek Kramer. Derek, do you remember the last time the Pacers made a transaction this early in the season? This early? I have two for you that I can throw at you. Of course you do. Um, <laughs> I don't did, actually know if it's the last did, one, but I think uh, it is. Did Dijon Giroux make it this far? Oh. Is that one of I them? Don't, that's actually a good point. I might not have. I might have had the wrong answer to my own <laughs> trivia question. I think he might have lasted longer than this, but. That is when, a scary uh, moment when I come up with the question and I still. How many how many games did Oladipo play? Before okay, Oladipo was going to be what I thought the answer was. He made it less than a month because they started around Christmas and he got traded like January 10th. <laughs> this is bad. <laughs> okay, last year. <laughs> this is not important. Either way, very rare to have transactions happen over the season. The Depot trade, Ben Moore got cut like two games into the season. So some stuff has happened before, but it's rare. Pacers buyout with Tice. Last week, after Shams report, the first one came out over a week ago, I said the most likely outcome was a buyout if he was headed to the Clippers. However, I also said I didn't think it made a ton of sense right now be, for the Pacers, for the trade flexibility they lose. To explain that as briefly as possible, the reason Tice is on the Pacers is kind of what I'm talking about, right? His salary was critical in getting Brogdon to the Celtics and that bigger trade. Tristan Thompson being on the Pacers last year, very similarly, right? His salary was critical in balancing out the Halberton heeled Thompson for Sabonis slam holiday trade. That's where those middling salaries can be valuable to make stuff like that possible especially with the cap space the Pacers had right now, Tice plus Wara before this could have fetched you like a 20 million-ish dollar player. Now that option is gone. You either have to include McConnell or you can't do it at all. And so you still have, they still have cap space. Like they still have some flexibility to make trades. They didn't lose a ton here, but they've lost something. And that's why I thought they would wait. But 
If they value the roster spot, they know they're getting savings from an outcome that's going to come anyway. They don't lose enough that it's not a big deal. And if Tice could find another home, they could make up the money. It makes sense, I suppose. Yeah, it seems like they just kind of did right by Tice. Agreed. Because the Clippers don't, like, this is even a temporary solution for them. Like, once Plumlee comes back, he's probably in the same kind of boat that he was before. So Tice gets to play for an amount of time and like Pacers kind of just did right by him. And like, he sat on the bench on <laughs> not wanting to for a, over a year. So you can't really blame him for wanting to leave. Yeah. Like if you, if you really think about his time here, like you get, if you're him and you come into last year and you're hurt and then you rehab all this time and the team's kind of good. Like when he returned at the end of January, they were like above 500 still, I think. And Halliburton was out, but like they were competing. And then you don't play bad. You don't play great, but you don't play bad for your seven games. And then you just get shut down. Like that has to be so frustrating. You just grinded for months and like sought out all these surgery options to get back on the floor. So that had to be frustrating. And then this year to come in off the high of your life from a world championship, be fully healthy, something he stressed a lot at camp, and then still not get the job of backup center. Granted, at both times, it made sense for the Pacers to do what they did. They should have gone young last year, and Jalen Smith has absolutely dominated in their role this year. But I get why he is just super frustrated, given that like in his non-Pacers settings, he's played very well. He recovered well. He found a great surgery. So I understand him being really frustrated. And Rick Carlisle said as much. He was like, yeah, I don't want guys on my team who are happy to not play. But it did lead to this being awkward, and I think that's why it made a lot of sense for if Tyson knew he could make up the money elsewhere for this to happen, even if they lose some trade flexibility. Yeah. It's just the combination of the the timing with the Clippers missing Plumlee yep. and the fact that a Boston reporter was just curious and asked him <laughs> and Tice was honest about it and answered like that just added some extra little pressure maybe to the situation that the Pacers were like, okay, this isn't worth holding on for the hope of making a trade a hypothetical trade work down the line. Let's go ahead and let this guy go. I give Tice some credit. I was talking to Ben Shepard literally on Saturday. This was four days ago. And I asked him about bets that had been helpful to him 10 games in. And he mentioned Tice, right? Like by all accounts, including Rick Carlisle's, he's been like around and in good vet and in the gym all the time. And when he played in that game against the Bucks, shot didn't go in, but like he was fine. They didn't lose those minutes. He didn't look lost. So the fit with the pace for him was always a little clunky anyway. That's why one of the arguments against him playing, but he wasn't a bad player. He was never a problem with other players on the roster. And I think that all made this a lot smoother. The other thing I've gotten a lot of questions about today is twofold. One, why couldn't they get a second rounder for him? Well, I would push back very easily and say, who's giving up a second rounder for Daniel Tice right now, right? Yeah, his contract's nice. It expires after the year, but like he hasn't played in forever. No one really knows what he has. His, the value's not there. And trading with the Clippers specifically, I kind of ran through this last week, but the only guys they could do one-to-one trades with Legally, where Terrence Mann, too much value there. Avicha Zubach, better player at the same position. That's dumb. And P.J. Tucker, who has a player option next year. Why would the Pacers do that one? So there was no one-to-one trade that makes sense. So then it has to be either really complicated, involving Norman Powell and scaling up, or you come down, Mason Plumley, who's hurt and can't be traded until January 15th. Russell Westbrook, who can't be traded for a while. And then you have Kobe Brown, who just got picked in the first round and a bunch of like minimums or young guys. So there was just not a trade that made any sense at all, unless you waited forever 
and the Clippers can't <laughs> wait forever. And the Pacers get more savings if they do it earlier as opposed to waiting because they're buying out less money later. So as a lot of rambling to say, because of all that, a buyout was the most likely route for him to get to the Clippers. And if it that's what it comes down to, it's what it comes down to. So I that's why I thought it was the most likely outcome, um, even if it was a little strange to see a buyout less than a month into the season. Yeah, like you said, there's absolutely just no logical path to a trade with the Clippers unless you somehow get a third team involved, and then it's just even that, more. Even that's like, like, what's the asset the Clippers have that is like some other team's going to be like, oh my god, Kobe Brown's available? Like, right. there's not a thing like that. Like, yeah, with Tyler and Hero, like it's it makes as much sense as it did for the Pacers to keep playing Tice after the trade deadline last year, like. <laughs> Which one made less sense? Like, yeah. there, was no, there was no point in continuing either way. I still like if Halliburton never got hurt last year, did maybe they would have played him the whole rest of the season and it would have made sense because their goals would have been winning. And if Jalen Smith wasn't like holy crap, way better than last year start this season, maybe they would have they started him that second preseason game. That was the game that Jalen Smith really came alive. So there's a lot of kind of turning moments where you wonder, like, maybe the Pacers really did think. He could be their backup five. Like they kept him into the season and they're buying him out less than a month in. So perhaps there were a lot of moments where they thought maybe, but the answer is clearly no now. And Isaiah Jackson has done well in his opportunities this year too, even. I mean, he shouldn't be the backup five, but he's, you know, he's played well enough that you have three capable enough bigs that I think you're comfortable with it as the Pacers. So all the signs pointed to this making a ton of sense. It's just kind of strange timing in a way that never really happened. Another common question I've gotten today, Pacers cap space E questions. So, I won't go too long. I could I could talk about numbers for a while here, Derek. I'll be careful. We are 26 days of the NBA season. That is almost 15% of the season. So the Pacers have paid Tice, or at least cap hit-wise, will have Tice on the books for that much, which is $1.35 million of his $9.1 million salary. And then they buy out the amount that he is going to make up from the Clippers, the minimum. So uh, how much money is that per minute? <laughs> oh, he played quite a bit. <laughs> A lot. Eight minutes. Thousands, right? thousands of dollars per minute. Hundreds of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars yeah, per hundreds minute. Hundreds of thousands of dollars per minute. But even with his whole time with the Pacers, right? He, when he finished with 120 minutes or something, it's a yeah. lot per minute. So the Pacers will owe cap hit wise um, what they've already paid him plus the amount that he had left minus a minimum. So that's going to be right about $7 million uh, of a cap hit for Tice. So the Clippers then pay the rest. And so Tice's salary this season is the same as it would have been either way, Once, assuming he clears waivers come Friday. Um, so that's why he's okay with this. He doesn't lose anything. Pacers gain some money. Clippers get a player they want. So that's why the transaction makes sense. But all of that to say, the Pacers actually clear the difference in what he would have been owed the rest of the season minus his minimum, which is that little bit of savings to get them like $1.6 million over to about 9.1 million in sal- maximum if they have some cap holds in salary cap space now, which is nice. They have the room exception too, but they only have one roster spot. So TBD on what that means, but that is where they are now. More space is nice. That's a good benefit. Yes, I have nothing to add to your number. <laughs> hey, everybody. I have to take a minute to talk to you about the wonderful people over at FanDuel. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook right now on FanDuel. New customers who hop over there get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. How about that? It's $150 bucks 
if your team wins. It's a great deal. $5 to win 150 That's awesome. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time with a deal like that than right now to get in on the action. They have an app. It's super easy to use. And they have a wide range of betting options, including player props, spreads, over-unders, whatever your favorite is. They've got it and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on kick off the NFL season and get a chance at $150 in bonus bets. If your team wins that $5 money line bet on FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL. Thanks everybody for making locked on Pacers your first listen today and every single day. Check out locked on Clippers next Hear What Darren Vizieri has to say about the German big man, Daniel Tice joining the Clippers the same day that they are going to convert Josh Primo's contract because they were at a roster minimum limit. Very interesting times in L.A. Very strange transaction. Primo and Miles Bridges in the NBA. Kind of weird. Very weird. Don't like it. Um, Barf is perfect. So Pacers have some savings. They have a roster spot. They have cap space. Really weird time to have a roster spot in the season because they're playing well right now. They're 7-4. and They're top four in the East. They have a really deep rotation. They already can't play Jackson and Wara and their two first-round pick rookies. So it's not like it's like very obvious where they would go using a roster spot right now. And so for them, of course, that's tricky. And if you're a player agent, you're like, (laughs) okay, (laughs) I'm not going to play there if I go there now. No one's hurt or anything. So it's kind of hard to figure out exactly what this could be, right? The most questions I've gotten were about the following players. I will sigh first and say Lance Stevenson. (laughs) A lot of people asked about Lance. Um, We'll talk about the structure that he theoretically fits in in a second. But Lance was a common name that people said. Doesn't make the most sense to me, but sure. Um, a lot of people ask about Oscar Shibway. Talk about that in a second. He's on the Pacers already via his two-way, but they could convert it to a standard deal. Uh, and then a lot of people asked about James Johnson and George Hill, last year's superstar vets who were great in the locker room and are both free agents right now. So... Derek, I'll first let you react to those names, and then I'll explain how I would be thinking about this if I were the Pacers. So the my only problem with your list is you left off uh, one other Pacers connection I did? that's a free agent right now. See if you can think of him. I, he's it's it's my large adult son. You got. He just got him. just got cut by one of the worst teams in the league for Ish Smith. He's back. <laughs> Edmund Sumner. He actually would fit pretty well with his pace as well. Yes. He plays defense. <laughs> he does play defense. I'm just saying. I like Edmund Sumner. Uh, yeah, all those guys like make sense to a degree. I think it's probably time to just let the Lance thing go. Like he's come back three. He's come back three times. It's been a lot of fun. It's just probably not going to be a fourth one. Probably I can't just, say I can't probably. say that like no, like in a role where he's not playing. Maybe that's. I mean, I mean no be, garbage time would be the most entertaining thing in uh, Gamebridge. Every time he came in, like fans would never leave for blowouts because Lance Shepard, Jarris, Wara, and Isaiah Jackson is a nuts garbage time lineup. <laughs> that is some. That is some pizzazz. It's <laughs> 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 a victory. Okay, so here's what I would be thinking as the Pacers. Congratulations, Pacers. Suddenly, by a stroke of clipper luck, you have some random flexibility. You have a roster spot. You don't need to blow that right away. So if I sign someone as the Pacers, I would like their contract to be non-guaranteed. 
so that come January 10th, I can assess or whatever, January 7th, I can assess is this guy the right fit for me the rest of the season? I'll like Kiefer Sykes, or is it like a Keelan Martin where I don't need this and I'd rather have the flexibility, or is it Damian Wilkins where it's a vet that helped us a lot, but we don't, we'd rather have the flexibility, right? There's a lot of ways you could do it, but the filling up with a guaranteed contract for the rest of the season would surprise me, just given their situation and given what flexibility they could have to make trades with the cap space that they currently have. Yes, they lost some trade flexibility losing Tice, but like McConnell, who I haven't even like he he could in theory be the the salary that Tice was in a trade that would be different because he's actually good and valuable, but that is still possible. So like there's still lots of trades they could make using their space. I would not try to sign somebody to a guaranteed contract right now. Okay, thing number two, I would be thinking Daniel Tice has played in a game. They actually like needed him in that game, right? So a center who is like can play but isn't expecting minutes does make some sense as a vet, especially. Same. Just, as, go ahead. I disagree only because Jarris should just get the emergency, emergency five minutes. True. And the top end plus Neesmith scram and be the second he catches the ball method <laughs> did work pretty well yeah. Tuesday night, even without Jarris. Okay. I will give you that. Plus they have Shibuya on a two way, but I would understand that. I would understand the center. Same argument for point guard. If McConnell is at some point traded just because he could be an expiring contract or because the Suns have interest or just because he's a valuable player who's not playing. I don't, I'm not saying they should trade him, to be clear. Just like if there are reasons it could happen, you would need a third point guard immediately. Isaiah Wong didn't play point guard in college that much, like having a vet there of the same exact thinking as center. Someone who can play but doesn't expect to play, and especially so a vet. Hey, George Hill, perfect kind of descriptor there. But Lance is kind of in that category too, right? That's what I was alluding to earlier. Like, I think if they signed Lance now, he would not expect to play, but he could play the one. He had a bajillion assists in that one quarter right after they brought him in before. That's a position that makes sense to me. They already can't play Wara and Jarris and Shepard. Like, they don't need another off-ball guard or a forward to me. So those are the two positions that I would be looking to. And then the other thinking is they're two-way guys. I don't think any of them are ready for this. We can talk about that in a second, but what do you think about those positions? Is that wrong? Is that right? What would you even be thinking about there? I think I agree with you. I think if they wanted to add somebody immediately, I think it would have to be, they just have more options than normal to play point, but I think it would just have to be somebody that could handle the ball in like an emergency situation. Like when they had Trevor and queen who had to come up for a a game or two last year on a two way, Isaiah Wong is not ready for that in the NBA to be a emergency point guard even. Um, so like George Hill is, or Edmund Sumner would be my yeah. preferable options just because they can play the one. And if you really needed them to play on the wing, they can do that too. And they're not like, they're going to instantly be one of the better perimeter defenders. Well, maybe not one of the better with Neesmith, Nimhard and, and Bruce yeah. Brown now, but better than many of the, of the wing options on the Pacers already. So they're not going to like ruin, ruin you on that end. I think they could contribute if they absolutely had to, but they also wouldn't like be expected to play, which maybe that would be less appealing to Sumner, but obviously George Hill has already said that he wanted to, to stay in Indy when he was here last year. So would you opt for a vet or do you trust what the Pacers already have there? Uh, It seems like they were okay with not having a vet at the in the off season, but it feels like that was just because there wasn't a spot available. That's true. So like, I think that if they could use one on that, I think they'd be interested in it. But now that like the season started off well and like they have such good vibes anyway, like, I don't, I don't know if they're going to be in a rush to, 
sign anybody there. I agree. Uh, the other commonly thought of thing that I want to dig into a little more is the two-way guys that have been brought up. So Shibway is, of course, getting a lot of buzz here because, one, they cut a center, of course, right? Like, okay, center for center. That is logical. Two, in the G League, he's averaging like 600 rebounds per game right now. I, I, I'd have to check that math. Maybe it's 550, but it's a lot. Um, every miss he's getting, he is really learning a lot about defense right now. On this very podcast, he talked about that in the summer. Like defending at Kentucky is like stand around the basket. There's no defensive three in the key. You don't have to get up that high. Guys can't shoot. Defending in the NBA is like, dude, you're running around like crazy. He is a good rebounder. He has a lot of work to do and a lot of other skills. He'll even tell you that. He did tell me that on Tuesday at the Madden's game. I don't think he's quite ready to play NBA minutes. And they already have him under contract. <laughs> Why rush to promote him? He's a restricted free agent next year. If he keeps getting better, that's great. Isaiah Wong, not ready for point guard skills. Similar vein. You already have him under contract. What's the point? Kendall Brown would be the most likely of the three to me for all the reasons said. He's been on the team for two years, but he's also pretty raw. He barely played for them last year. He got hurt. So it's like he needs a wing. They already have too many guys there. So if it was like if they converted a two-way, I would think Brown would be the most likely, but I think it would just be non-guaranteed till January. And are you even going to play that much? Is that even worth it for you if you're that player? So that doesn't <laughs> pass the smell test to me either. There's just not really a good option right now, especially when you could leave it open and like help out and be a third team in a trade or just save the savings until the trade comes or until you're signing somebody after January 10th. There's just a lot of reasons that I don't expect something to happen imminently. And there's not like a great option that jumps out at me. Yeah. And like the big thing with the two way guys is like you said, they're already under contract with the team. If they needed them to play, they can bring them up without converting them because they have however many days in the season that they can be with the NBA team. So like even an emergency, if they needed Shibwe for big minutes, they could bring him up and see how he looks before they decide to convert him to an NBA contract. No reason to get rid of your flexibility that you have with that open roster spot to convert that two way right now when you have plenty of time to make that decision. Trying to think of all the conversions we've seen the Pacers make, but I believe they've all been either much closer to the cutdown date or at the end of the season, right? So like Alex Poitras was like end of December. That was like the first two-way contract they ever signed. Dwayne Washington and Terry Taylor were like the literal last day <laughs> of the season two years ago. Ben Moore got converted, but then got cut like pretty much right away. I'm trying to think if there's anybody else. Uh, Edmund Sumner got his converted. Sumner. Yeah, his. I can't remember when his was during the season. I think yeah. it was pretty late in the year though. Brian Bowen just got straight up cut off of his like – it's very rare for one to get converted this early. Usually the opposite is actually what happens. So I am guessing Gabe York got converted pretty late last year too. I think we've got everybody now. So I would guess that that does not happen. And so we've covered all the bases to say, if they did something right now, because I guess why not? You have the resource, you have cap space. That'd be the argument is why not? I would expect it to be a non-guaranteed one-year vet men with like a vet, like an old vet, <laughs> like a la the Damian Wilkins signing. Somebody who has no actual expectations for playing time with the Pacers. But I don't know if something will happen. Like, especially, oh, look, Zach Levine, a superstar, is available. Maybe there's three-team trade. Uh, you just never know. So I don't think anything will happen, but I am guessing a little bit. Yeah, I think, yeah, it's most likely it's going to stay open for a while. Definitely, I'd be very surprised, I think most surprised, if something happened with one of those two-way spots. And then, like, only a little surprised if they just went ahead and signed George Hill or James Johnson and brought one of them back. And if you can make it to January 5th, 
right with what they have. Okay, great. You need an emergency point guard. How about Alfred Payton on a 10 day? He's a new G League system. Oh, you need a big Jordan Bell's right there, right? Like once 10 day season comes, that's also an option. So maybe they do something ahead of the cut down date and then it's somebody they could just wave, which they've done before. They have the space and money to do so. Leadership is good on a young team, but there are reasons not to. So <laughs> fun. I get to be a fence sitter and say, I don't know. They could do they could do anything and it would make sense to me. That is the benefit of, of optionality that they've had so much. I feel like I say this all the time with their roster decisions, but like either path makes sense. That's kind of how the Pacers have set it up. We'll see. Yeah, it's just down to down to preference, really. We will see. I don't have anything else on this Tice transaction unless you do. Did you have, do you have a favorite memory from his uh, eight games? No. Most of the time. That's not the answer I was looking for. Most of the time, he like I, I don't have any issues with Daniel Tice. I, he's a perfectly fine backup center. But the majority of time he was out there last year, it was just like, why is he playing <laughs> instead of these two younger centers when the Pacers are clearly – rebuilding and need to focus on those guys that are going to be here long term and we could you could i think my all my memories are just are just that like just thinking he was great and the not great but he was adequate and helped the team win a single game this season so thank you daniel tice for your emergency minutes at power forward wasn't even at center that's true Maybe we should have given power forward some more airtime on the roster spot discussion if Tice is filling in there. Yeah, I well remember I think we we even talked about this maybe on the show. I don't remember where, but like before the trade deadline, I got it last year. Like, okay, yeah, healthy, feature him, great. After that, especially because they were losing a lot at that time, because Halburn was hurt. That's when it was kind of like, okay. And they benched him pretty quick. They they also did that. Yeah, I have nothing else here. It makes sense. Pages have an open roster spot. If they do something with that, you know. You'll get all those details right here, but I think you have a pretty good sense, given what we just talked about, what they could do with that spot. Derek, let's just wax poetic about Tyrese Halberton for a few minutes because we have a little bit of time left. Um, is, uh, can I just lead with this? Is he underrated now? Hey, everybody, before we talk crazy Tyrese Halberton sets, have to talk to you about the wonderful people over at Jace Medical. We spent a ton of time talking together. You and I, we get fired up on wins and losses and transactions. Who starts, who sits, and I'm thankful for that today. We got to talk about something a little more personal. I just learned that you can get a one-year supply of ED medications. You realize what that means? Bring on extended travel. Bring on natural disaster supply chain issues. You're covered. You don't have to worry about whether or not you can refill your generics for Cialis, Viagra, Evacio, prescription, whatever you've got. You can be covered, and this is possible because of our friends at Jace Medical. Go online right now at jacemedical.com to receive your 12-month supply on your daily meds. Remember... Use the promo code LOCKDOWN at checkout. You'll get a discount as well. A verified customer said this about Jace. I am thankful for this service. Supply chain issues caused me to cut pills in half to have it. I ordered most of my daily meds with a one-year supply. I also ordered an antibiotic kit. I feel secure now. Prices are lower than local pharmacies. I highly recommend this for everyone. If you or someone you love would get some peace of mind by having a year supply of any daily med, go to jacemedical.com. See if it's offered to you. Remember to use the promo code LOCKDOWN for $20 off your purchase. That's J-A-S-E medical.com underrated i mean i say that because i thought this i think by the masses yes absolutely because like i like he's fourth in the basketball reference mvp tracker right now like fourth fourth like he is absolutely insane start to the season like up there with anybody that you could think of to begin the year ludicrous numbers like like i think it's officially time to just like he's the point god now like that's he has earned that title. Like that is him. 
him. Um, yeah, almost 13 assists per game is insane. If he stays healthy enough, he's going to break their assist record this year. He could have last year if he played enough. So I asked that question because like all those top 100 rankings in the summer, which are normally content factories, but for me, a good gauge of like where people think about players. <laughs> he was like between 23 and 28 in most of them. And then I, I forget which outlet had him like 31st. I was, I was like, man, I kind of think he's closer to like 15 to 20 than all this. And, and top 10. Now, oh yeah. I was going to say now he's pushing like 10 to uh, top 10. I don't know about he's played like that this year. He's played like that this year. I can't shoot it down as quickly as I wanted to there, which, but, but all that to say, I think he, I think he kind of is. He, he really snuck, but it's not that like people watched him last year are not like that surprised, right? Because he had moments where he was this good last year. So that was my question. Is <laughs> I think yeah. he's, I mean, you I just look I, at the, you just look at the numbers, like 12.5 assists. If he keeps that up for the rest of the season, nobody's done that since 1994. Like it's been 30 years since anybody's averaged more what than was that. Was it uh Stockton? Yeah. Stockton. who's one of only four guys who have ever averaged 12 or more assists in a season. So like he's, Literally only four guys have ever even done that at all. And nobody's done it for that long. Like Russ was close to 12 recently during one of his, like he's got to do everything for the Thunder years, but nobody's been over 12 since then. Like, obviously we're still early in the season. It's only been 11 games, 10 for Halliburton, but like, you just can't say enough about him. Like 50, 40, 90, he's clearing every one of those by like, it's not even close. Like he's got multiple percentage points on each one of those levels. 53, 44, 93 right now. And he missed a free throw last night. Like, what? Oh no. <laughs> like, yeah, he went <laughs> down. Free throw. Yeah. So like, it's just, you look at those, you look at the numbers and the more you, the more you dig, the just the more ridiculous they, they look. We, we got the 32 assist thing with zero turnovers over the last, two games, which has never happened before. Like he's, he's doing things that have never been done. Like you can't say enough about the Pacers star. Uh, no, <laughs> no, you can't. He can do everything when he's in there too. Like even last night, Tuesday night, for those of you listening, he was seeing more attention and he was like, okay, whatever. I, get, I can just ping it to miles Turner and he can make good decisions or like, Hey, I got Bruce Brown. Now he can make good decisions. Like that has helped a lot too. He still has to be on the floor. Like there are some ugly moments when he's not there. Their net rating is really bad when he's on the bench. But when he's out there, it's not like last year where it's like if he's not on, they can't do anything. They have other guys capable of moving the ball and passing as much as they do, which has helped a lot. And he's a big part of the identity. The fact that they can respond to his attention well is a meaningful step. Do you know their offensive rating uh, per PPP stats, which tracks exact possessions and scoring data? Do you know their offensive rating this season with Tyrus Halbert on the floor? 126 127.6 so it's a mine's an nba number but yes like and it's it's the highest and you know who's number two and number three on nba.com uh, probably brown. miles turner yeah Bruce Bruce brown, brown and miles turner yeah <laughs> it's all just because they're playing with tyrese halberton and like you said about how well the pacers have dealt with the attention like the last time the pacers had a top 15 player all nba level guy victor oladipo Think about what that playoff series was like oh. when the Cavs decided to trap him and the Pacers were just a mess. They had no idea what to do. But if a team does that to 
Halliburton, they're just like, it's, they're still living their best life. Like Halliburton just picks that stuff apart. Like it's nine day difference with how they deal with pressure. Like you were talking about. There were crazy screenshots from that Cavs series, right? Debo's double teamed. And then the guy that's supposed to come up and help him when he's doubled, which was usually Domas was also having two guys on him. Cause Vic couldn't throw the passes to the opposite corners or anything. He didn't have that in his bag. So that just screwed him. And they're like, all right, we'll bring another ball handle. They're bringing Tyreek Evans. It didn't work. But the extra ball handle was the idea. And Bruce Brown is now that added ball handle. And Matherin can, is passing better. He's d- definitely not. The Sixers games are not <laughs> evidence that he is passing better despite a good week last week. But you know everybody's moving it well, which has helped them maintain as much of their identity as they can when he's out there and not killing it. When he's not out there, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yikes. Uh, yikes. <laughs> <laughs> it's the best way I can describe it. Their bench has played well, but it's because they mix in well with starters, right? So they have some questions there, but the, the the numbers he put up in Philly for those two games is about as on the map as you can put yourself. I mean, what was it? 32 assists, zero turnovers. He shot 63% from the field. Uh, makes it a little easier to get rid of your fourth center when you're going to keep rolling with this guy on your team. Yeah, I think we saw... Uh, Wob tweeted out like last year at this time, he had the three, three games with 40 assists and no turnovers. So like he almost did that in two games this year. Like only that, like eight assists. I know that's a lot. Like that's like fifth in the league per game, but Halberton has been like doubling that <laughs> per game. Like it's, in, it's just insane. Yeah. That was my favorite tweet of a stat after the Sixers game was Pat Boylan's, which was, 32 assists, zero turnovers. He will go over the NBA record of 40 assists without a turnover, a record he already owns. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, the other thing that – oh, man, I just lost the train of thought completely. That's brutal. Um, okay, on that, on that note, I will pivot away. But he's just been everything that the Pacers need him to be, and I think he's starting to reach underrated status. And, hey, uh, for a guy who needs to make All-NBA to earn some extra money – Boy, is he headed down that path. He is uh, probably a uh, first or second team guy right now. Yeah, I think, uh, was it like a $60 million difference? That's a, he'll get a nice I'm reward. In it, but yeah, about that. If he can, if he can stay healthy, it's a nice little reward for him. If he can keep this, keep this level of play up. Yes, it is. Man, I can't remember now. It was another stat I wanted to cite, and I am mad that I just, <laughs> it's gone. It is completely gone. That sucks. That well, is. Tyrese there you go. Saved it. Wow. <laughs> you know what? If the Pacers want to give me money to buy thoughts out of my brain, I will allow that. <laughs> I will. Yeah, I will accept me. that. <laughs> oh, dang. We'll pitch that to KP next time. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so we will see if he can keep this level up. The, the Oh, I remembered my other stat. Let's go. All I do is click around my tabs a little bit. Do you know any players are averaging more than nine assists per game? More this year? Yeah. Uh, three, including Halliburton, right? Two. Two, including Halliburton. Oh, because we, we don't count more Booker. Than eight? Huh? Because we don't count Booker right now, right? Because he's only played Correct. like two games. Correct. Okay. In fact, there's what? only four players averaging more than eight assists per game. And that would be Jokic, an MVP candidate, Lamella Ball, Trey Young, and Tyrese Halliburton. Halliburton's almost at 13. Like, he's like, it's insane. He, who is okay? What rank is the guy he's doubling? Okay, 14th in assists per game is Trey Jones at six. 
And 13th is D'Angelo Russell at 6.7. And 12th is Kyrie Irving at 6.7. He's almost, no, no, he's not quite doubling those guys. But he's doubling between the 13th and 14th guys in assists per game. It's just nuts. I think Halen's stat was he threw 149 passes with no turnovers. It's just ridiculous. His level right now is insane. Uh, he is, and he's still getting better. It's nuts what that means for the Pacers. Anyway, I wanted to throw in some Tyrese Albert and stuff because 30 minutes on the Tice buyout was not going to be possible for us, Derek. Yes, it's uh, I think we did pretty good. Like all, all things considered, we made it a long way just talking about the implications. There's a lot of bases to cover, I think. Maybe that's just because I'm like too into cap stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a lot of interesting stuff to cover, right? Right? Yes. Right? Yes, you love everybody, the app and the CBA. Yes, everybody wa- loves watching me click back through my tabs, look at all the Pacers two way guys, and which ones have uh, been been converted <laughs> in the last five seasons, six seasons since I started the two way. I'm sure everybody thought that was riveting stuff. Um, speaking of riveting stuff, tomorrow lots to get to. I want to talk about why I think the Pacers next. Let me count really quick stretch of games, but specifically their next five games. It's one of the most pivotal stretches of their season, plus Zach Levine. Whoa, what does that mean for the Pacers? More specifically, Alex Caruso. Hello. And three, the Madden season is rolling. We talked a little bit about that today, but I've got a lot more thoughts on that after seeing them in person on Monday night. Derek, thank you for the time. And coming in whenever I need you, as always, it's very much appreciated. Where can people find you and your work covering the Pacers? I believe... You will be there Sunday covering them in person when they play the Magic. Yes, I will be in Gainbridge covering the Magic game. Uh, looking forward to that. You can find all my work on Twitter at iPacers blog. Uh, lots and lots of content coming and currently there at iPacers.com. Uh, new t-shirt design coming soon. Uh, look out for that. I just finished one. I just got to put the final touches on it. Uh, and then a uh, new, we talked about interesting statistics with uh, Hal Burton. I got a whole bunch more that I'm going to put together a nice little fun article on. So you can look out for that soon as well. I will be ready. And I undersold Sunday's game. Let me be more clear. The Goga Batadze Memorial return game against the Orlando yeah. Magic on Sunday. It's going to be bigger than when Daniel Tice comes back to play as well. It's just, we're going to have a, a smorgasbord of returning centers into the field house. <laughs> Someone actually found when the Clippers came to Indy and replied to my tweet about the buyout. Was like, Are they going to have a tribute video on? I think it was like December 11th oh or something. Like, no. They're going to have to, they're going to do it because now they do it for everybody. Like they're going to have to stretch. Like he did have a nice dunk. I will say the Kings game is probably his best game as a Pacer. Like they won. He, he had, that was his one win last year. So, that that was his best game before the Giannis emergency. <laughs> Big game to win against Halburn's former team. Daniel Tice coming up huge in that game. <laughs> and I believe until the Clippers game, that'll be the last time you hear me say his name on this show, unless they fill his roster spot very quickly. I'm on Twitter at Tony R. East. The show is at Lockdown Pacers. If you have questions about the mechanics of what the Pacers did, you can hit me up there or comment down below if you're watching on YouTube. Back tomorrow talking about the things I said earlier. Tell then, everybody, have a great rest of your day.